We wanted to live in a world where we can activate now and then give results back quickly so that people can make decisions, optimize, and then make change. And I think that's always been our ambition for it. And I suppose the vision for me of where I would see that going is, um, you know, my hope is that one day retail media will just be media. That's my real hope. Hello and welcome back to Identity Architects, the InfoSum podcast that spotlights the pioneers in the media industry who are shaping the future of data-driven advertising. I'm your host, Ben Cicchetti, and this week I had the opportunity to sit down with Ollie Shea, Omni Media Director at Boots UK, to discuss the power of first-party data, the impending cookie deprecation, data privacy, and of course, the hottest topic of 2023, retail media, including how Ollie sees retail media evolving in 2024. Before we jump into that conversation, this is your reminder to hit that subscribe button so you'll be the first to know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects drop. But without any further delay, here's my conversation with Ollie. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by my fellow media leader, Future 100, Class of 2023 member, Ollie Shea. Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ben. Really great to be here. So for anyone who doesn't know you, can you give us a quick introduction to yourself? And also, as we do have an international audience, a bit of an introduction to Boots, which is obviously a staple of the UK high street. Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm Olisha. I'm the Omni Media Director at Boots. Um, so my role is I look after all of Boots' own media investment. Uh, and I also look after Boots' uh, retail media group, which is Boots Media Group. Uh, and Boots is really um, a staple of the British high street. Um, next year, it would have been around for 175 years. It's the number one health and beauty retailer in the UK, uh, and it's part of the Walgreens Boots Alliance. So, uh, yeah, a really big part of the UK high street. Um, and also, I'm really, really proud to be part of working for a company that's been around for such a, a long period of time. That's an incredible legacy to have and an amazing brand to kind of um, be part of. So I'm, I'm sure we've got a lot to cover off. Uh, we're going to start the way we always do, which with a series of quickfire questions, which we have updated a little bit as we head into 2024. Uh, but we'll start with a familiar one. What is your earliest memory of advertising? Uh, my earliest memory of advertising. Uh, so I, I was a kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s. So I think the one that always springs to mind for me uh, was the Tango advert. Uh, which was the guy with uh, who came along with the giant uh, orange head and tangoed people. Uh, I think it subsequently got banned for, for for obvious reasons, but I always sticks in my mind is uh, you know when you've been tangoed, which is obviously a brilliant advertising. I still remember it even now. So yeah, that was probably my early as well. Yeah, that's a classic. And I guess if you put yourself back to those days of um, you know when you you've been tangoed before you landed in the media industry and the role you're doing right now, what did you actually want to be when you were growing up? Uh, ironically, I didn't want to do anything in media. So actually, when I grew up, I wanted to be a physiotherapist. So uh, I used to play a lot of sport when I was younger. And I kind of liked the idea of uh, of helping people. So the idea of combining the two together to be actually like a physio. Um, I remember when I was younger, I went to see a physio. I was deeply inspired by what they did. So I suddenly felt a lot better after uh, playing a lot of professional sports. So yeah, physiotherapist. So absolutely nothing related to what I do today. No, well, health and beauty, you're now in a health retailer. I can see the connection yeah. to physio. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so then what was your first job in kind of advertising, marketing or media as a whole? Yeah, so uh, my first role, I uh, I started working uh, after university. Um, I went to work for Sainsbury's on the graduate training scheme. So I worked in the stores uh, for about three and a half years. And then I moved into uh, the support office at Holborn. Uh, and that was my first real job in marketing. So I went to work. Uh, for the D2C part of um, uh, Sainsbury's. Uh, so selling their like flowers, hampers, different. And that was the first time I got access 
uh, to kind of doing probably digital marketing. Uh, so I looked after all of the buying, but I also looked after the digital marketing for that as well. And uh, loved it. Absolutely loved it. I kind of, I was a bit of a, I started getting into things like search and uh, display and that was it. I was hooked. That was the way. And I was like, right, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. That's amazing. So what do you think it is about the advertising industry that kind of drew you in and what keeps you here today? Uh, I think what's always dri- driven, kind of drew me into it, uh, what drew me into it and what's ki- kind of kept me in it really is it's never it's never the same. It's always changing. I think that's something I, is really important to me. And I think when I when I think about the industry uh, and I look back over my career, it's so different to where I began. Um, and I think the other thing is also technology has become a bigger part of it. Data has become a bigger part of it, which is something that I'm very passionate about, you know, uh, so I think those things together, that kind of continual evolution, you're always learning. You never feel like you've it's done. Um, and, and it always goes in one direction then comes back in another. So yeah, those are the things that I really have really enjoyed about it. So what advice would you therefore give to someone who's maybe just starting out on their career in media and advertising? Um, I think my, my advice would really be around, you know, do what you're, you know, a career is a really long time. You know, I think when I started my career, I was like deeply impatient. I'm probably, I'm still quite impatient uh, about, you know, progression and development and where do I, you know, where do I want to be in my career? And actually, I think uh, what I've learned as I've got older is to really enjoy the moments that you have as you go through it, the experiences you have with people, the job you're doing, enjoying that element of it and everything else comes with that. So I think probably that just do the, enjoy the things you're doing make sure it's the things that make you want to get out of bed and do your job in the morning and then probably equally would also be be patient because uh, i think you know the career is a long time you can do lots of different things so uh, enjoy those that kind of journey as much as you know enjoying everything that you're doing every day yeah that's great advice and if you look at your role you know media and advertising can be a complex uh, and confusing space even for us that are in it. Yeah. Uh, so how would you describe what you do within media and advertising to say a 10 year old? I mean, I think the, the best way I've ever heard it described is that in effect, we're just storytellers, you know, so we tell stories of brands to people uh, and our job is to really make it the most compelling story that you can make it. So for me, that's the, the way I've always thought about it is in essence, our job is just the way in which we tell the story of a brand to people. So that would probably be my, I don't know how good my storytelling is, but I, I hope it would be good. But that would be how I would describe it. Yeah, I love that. I'm a, I always consider myself and talk about myself being kind of a content marketer at heart. So yeah. content marketing is all about, all about storytelling. So I love that description. What do you think it is that inspires you every day? I'd probably say two things. One is uh, the people I work with. I'm very, very lucky to work with some incredible people. Um, and I think that's always been something that's motivated and inspired me is having great people around you um, who challenge your way of thinking, um, but also who you really enjoy working with. Um, and then I think the other side of me is I love doing different things all the time. And I, I love to be pushing what we're doing in the industry, but also uh, what I'm doing. So probably more thinking about how we innovate and do things in a slightly different way. But so, yeah, those would be the two that, that really, but definitely people is a massive part of why I do what I do. Yeah, I think that's so true of any company that I've ever worked at. It's always the people uh, that kind of make it right. So if you're around great people, great people who inspire you, um, it's always a, a massive uplift. Yeah, it makes you want to get out of bed in the morning and go to the job, you know, do the job, whatever the circumstances, having that, you know, experience together. I think also comes from the fact I played a lot of sport when I was younger. So the, the team element is really important to me. So I think having that gives me 
enormous energy to want to come in and do the job I do. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so to my favorite and final uh, of the quickfire questions, uh, if there was a song that was a soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Yeah, uh, this is a very, this is a really difficult question. So um, I think I probably would choose, uh, I'll take the cop out and choose two. Uh, and uh, my my parents, massive influences on my music choice. They used to play a lot of music when I was younger. Uh, and so I say one is by Fleetwood Mac, which is you can go your own way. Uh, and the other one is uh, George Michael's Faith. So uh, those are the two uh, big fan. My dad's a massive Fleetwood Mac fan. So uh, I don't know. I just like the idea that you can do what you want to do, but equally, you know, just have faith in what you're doing and keep pushing on through it. So yeah, those would be the two I would choose. Those are awesome, awesome choices. Uh, and we'll add them to our Spotify playlist so everyone can enjoy the full, uh, the full playlist. Amazing. So let's move on to a few more of the kind of topic related questions. And obviously for all of us in the UK, we're all incredibly familiar with the Boots Advantage card, uh, which I learned in my research has been around since 1997, uh, yeah. I believe. So a huge, powerful, historic loyalty card data. And Boots obviously was one of the first and early adopters of uh, what has turned out to be 2023's hottest advertising trend, which is retail media. How and why did Boots and yourself get started on that journey? And kind of what have you learned along the way that you can share with others that might just be getting started? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, so as you say, Boots has always had a really strong heritage uh, in customer data. So, you know, Advantage Card, um, you know, has been around for a really considerable amount of time now. Um, and I think the, uh, you know, the, the key thing with it is obviously it's grown over time and it's evolved over time. So now it's at 16 million customers. Uh, who have an advantage card. Um, so I feel that, you know, we have always felt as a, an organization that we have a real responsibility for customer data and what we do with that customer data and how we use it, but equally also giving back to our customers um, with that data. So evolving the advantage card over time uh, to give them back what they want. And I think one of the things from that has been about us thinking about how we can use that data for things like personalization. So I think it's always been in our mindset about, you know, the importance of customer data and the role it plays. I think how retail media has evolved, um, it's always been part of Boots. It's always been something that's been a key part of Boots, been around for quite a number of years. But I think it was, um, you know, there were a number of people within the organization who always felt there was more to it. One in particular, Rosie Houston, she's always been a madly passionate person even before I joined Boots uh, as to what this could do for Boots. Um, and I think in so about two and a half years ago, uh, when I joined Boots, we were just at the time where we really felt we could accelerate that journey. And so we joined into a joint venture uh, with the SMG group to create Boots Media Group. And I think we felt that we'd always kind of kind of dabbled a little bit in the in-store activity, a little bit in the on-site activity. But we saw that there was a huge potential to take that much further with the data that we had, really beginning to kind of grow into the off-site, really beginning to look at analytics and insight. Uh, and just to give, to create a real full service breadth offering for our suppliers to make the richness of that data available to them uh, and actually to make it actionable, which is the key thing, which is it's amazing to have lots of information, but if it's not actionable, then it doesn't really create anything for them going forward. So that was really kind of a bit of our journey. So we've always had a heritage in data, but then being able to then create a platform and an, a way into which we can then service that uh, to our suppliers and to our brand partners has been really important. Um, what I've learned along, along the way, oh, well, that's been an amazing journey. I think probably what I would learn, what I would say is, um, 
probably three things. One is about the importance of collaboration internally. Um, you know, if you're going to integrate a retail media group into your organization, it's critical that it's a key collaborative part of what you're doing. Um, you know, having it as a standalone organization just won't work in the modern way that people want to market, the modern retailer. I just don't think that's going to work. I think thinking about what's the right retail media group for your retailer, every retailer is different. Um, you know, I've talked to a lot of different retailers and everybody says, well, what's the difference? Everybody's different. I think you have to create a retail media organization that's right for you uh, as a kind of retail media group. Um, and if you try and kind of take someone else's and kind of put it into yours, it doesn't work. It's got to be right for who, who you are as an organization because we are all very different with different USPs. Um, and then the other thing that I think is always been important to me is kind of just restlessly, I suppose a bit of what we're talking about in the quickfire is just restlessly innovating. You know, we're in a, a constantly changing industry and I think particularly this one, which is new and young, um, being able to innovate, do things differently, those probably would be the things that have probably been the biggest learnings that I've taken on. Yeah, I think that's super powerful and super useful for anyone who's kind of um, getting started on that journey. And you mentioned obviously Boots Media Group, uh, which launched a couple of years ago. How have things progressed over the last two years with that venture? And then what's your kind of vision and hope for the future of it? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I've, I've always, uh, so when we started Boots Media Group, um, I was excited, but also very nervous. I mean, it was very new to the, you know, very new to the industry. It was still getting started, you know, two and a half years ago. Retail media was even younger than it is today. Um, and, you know, I remember, you know, link, going onto LinkedIn and Googling like retail media part, you know, people to fight with for us to try and fight. It, it just didn't exist as a kind of, um, you know, a function. I think what we've seen is it's accelerated enormously over the last two and a half years. Um, and I think what we've done is tried to look at what are the continual areas into which people are looking for opportunities for, as our brand partners to engage with their audiences? Um, and I kind of put my hat on as a, as a media director and think about what would I want if I was sat in their shoes and trying for us to replicate what that would be. So, you know, we've thought a lot about what can we offer in the in-store environment and bringing more of a digital experience to that, more of a programmatic experience into those experiences. We've thought a lot about how that evolves in the on-site and how we can offer more um, more opportunities to again access more sponsor search, more sponsor display, more CRM, more access of our own audiences and our data in that. Uh, and then obviously the offsite has been a massive growth area. So um, you know I think having a lot of first party data, we've spent a lot of the time over the last few years really connecting that data to um, different media owners to allow us to utilize that not only for uh, Boots Media Group, but equally for Boots. So it was as important for me as a media director to be able to access that ourselves and then make that available for our uh, supplier partner. So that has been a huge, huge growth area. And then analytics and insight, which is, was huge, which is about how can we get data and answer those questions even faster. So, you know, as a, I used to be an FMCG advertiser. Uh, you know, I used to have the experience where you used to activate and then you sort of were like, okay, well, I'll wait until I get the econometrics. And I think we wanted to live in a world where we can activate now and then give results back quickly so that they can people can make decisions, optimize, and then make change. And I think that's always been our ambition um, for it. And I suppose the vision for me of where I where I would see that going is, um, you know, I, my hope is that one day retail media will just be media. That's my real hope. That's my vision, my hope. I know that's when I feel that we would have done what we should have done. Um, for Boots Media Group, my hope, uh, my vision is just to continue our partnerships with a, a range of great um, 
brand partners that we work with, a, a broad range of partners that we're working with, um, and also to continue to evolve and innovate in the offering that we have. So, yeah, that would be my kind of aspiration is to continue on the journey. I'm, I suppose it, a little bit, again, goes back to what we were touching on at the beginning, which is I'm really not sure what the journey will look like in the next two years. It's been so evolutionary in the last two, what it will look like in the next two, I think, um, we're, we're continually trying to think about what that will be and how we can evolve our offering to match that. Yeah, and I guess that's what keeps it exciting, right? It's, yeah. it's that constant constant evolution, constant change. No day is the same, right? No, 100%. And obviously you mentioned offsite, and we've seen in 2023 that power of combining retail media with CTV, BBOD. Uh, and I know Boots was right at the forefront of that, announcing partnerships with both Channel 4 and ITV over the last uh, 18 months or so. Why do you think there is such a strong synergy between retail media and CTV? I think um, I think one of the, the, the great synergies is that um, CTV gives us this ability for us to scale uh, audiovisual content uh, into an environment, uh, in a trusted environment. So trusted, you know, broadcaster environments. Uh, and I think it probably goes back to a little bit what we were touching on just before is that ability to understand the effectiveness of that. So as a, you know, um, audiovisual has always been a big part of any advertiser, um, you know, whether that's linear TV or whether that's now CTV. And I think there's always been a question of, well, how effective is it? And so as you start to be able to then apply retailer data where you can fully understand, well, if I show someone an av- um, show someone advertising in a CTV environment, what's the effect of that? I think that starts to become really powerful. So you've got the kind of strength, the natural strength of AV as a platform that's always been believed in by a lot of advertisers, but it's now the proof point that comes with that. Um, and I think it starts to move retail media from that probably lower funnel conversion-based advertising that you know has been had been always been a staple of it into a more mid and upper funnel so you're thinking about well, what's you know what's the effectiveness of this advertising that I'm running uh, on my customers and my key retailers I think also what it allows us to do for the first time is take audiences um, for those retailers and actually put them into um, advertisers to be able to understand who we're looking who we're talking to so moving from that very broad audiences to a much more targeted audience who's relevant for either the product you're purchasing or for the category that you want to um, go into so i think it would probably be the two one is just that ability now to understand the effectiveness and become a i suppose shorten the window to understanding that from econometrics which obviously is much longer to a shorter window with the ctv activations that we're doing and then secondly, it's just accessing much stronger audience data to be able to find those customers in those places and really target them with the message and then see the effectiveness that comes from it. Yeah, and it feels like we're just kind of on the start of that journey, right? And it feels like there's so much more that we can and will explore from a CTV perspective. I'm but sure. is there, from your perspective, an immediate next opportunity for retailers in general, obviously for Boots specifically, um, from an offsite perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think the the offsite world is o- only going to grow, um, I think, from the perspective of understanding, um, you know, I think increasingly we've plugged more and more partners into our uh, first party data um, to allow us to access that in an offsite way. I think the the thing for me that's quite interesting is then about going back to what we were just touching on, which is the audience piece. So as you start to expose the audiences to multiple uh, offsite uh, experiences what's the effect that has on them so again that's something we have some others have not been able to do previously which is to say i've exposed an overarching audience to a number of different touch points 
what effect does that have as I increase the number of touch points that they talk they look at? And equally also, what effect does that happen when I am in which combination? So again, I think we've done that previously when we've looked at things like econometrics, which allows us to look at, okay, a holistic view and what does that return? But we've never been able to do it with an individual audiences to say, actually, by exposing this person to this and to this and to this, this increased the effectiveness of the conversion. So I think what we're where we're moving from is a place where we were just able to activate to it being able to activate and also have deeper levels of analysis, which can then feed back into better levels of planning that we might do for the future. So I feel we're, we're probably moving into that 2.0 version of what we've got. Uh, and I think that's hugely exciting because I think that as, as someone who loves media, that's literally like the, you know, what we want to be able to understand is by the, which combination, what mix really works effectively to allow us to drive the best possible performance. And then equally also not just pure performance, but what does it do longer term for things like metrics that are that are slightly different from performance metrics, but also critical like equity, you know, like noticeability, like consideration, which I think will be, a, which is also an additional part of what will come with offsite, which is, you know, how do you start to think about it in a slightly broader sense? So yes, it delivers conversion, but actually there's some other stuff on top that it will also do. Yeah, I think it's incredibly exciting, this idea of, um, as you were touching on there, the ability to kind of optimize campaigns on a much more frequent, almost real-time basis, right? Whereas that ability to test, learn, iterate, um, and as you touched on kind of all this new technology that's now available uh, that allows you to do all that kind of data matching and analysis instantly, it really gives you the opportunity to optimize. And then, you know, it's the marketer's dream, which I think actually... We had Peter Markey, uh, obviously Boots, a CMO, as an early guest on Identity Architects, and he talked about that kind of, it felt like we were finally at the point where you could achieve that marketer dream, which is the right message to the right person at the right time. And it really feels like we're, we're hitting that now. Yeah, I definitely think we feel it feels now like we're more able to make some of those decisions. And I think what it allows us to do is to really look at what's working for our customers. So what creative is working you know, what media channels are working, what mix is working together, which is which is ultimately so exciting because I think it, it allows us to make decisions backed with data. Um, but it also gives our creative teams the ability to understand, okay, how can I tweak messaging to get that effectiveness from there, which, uh, which I think is also a really exciting place um, to be in. And because we're now making that available for our supplier partners, it's allowing them to do the same. So I, I think that kind of, as you're saying, that right message, right moment, we are reaching closer towards what that will look like um, and being able to do it. But it's still, what's really important to me is it's still that art and science combination. It's bringing that together in the right way um, will kind of get you the best outcome. Yeah, for sure. And obviously retail media has been such an incredible juggernaut this year from uh, a media perspective. It's been at every event. I mean, I feel like I've seen you at nearly every event this year. Um, (laughs) Because it's it's just been that hot topic that everyone wanted to talk to. And obviously you've got incredible insight and intelligence to share with everyone. Uh, For people who are starting to explore it, whether they're a retailer, whether they're a brand, uh, CPG, whether they're an agency or a media owner from an offsite perspective, what advice would you give to any company that's currently looking at retail media as an opportunity for 2024? Yeah, I mean, it is such an interesting thing. I mean, I gave a discussion earlier this year about, you know, turning it from hype to reality. I think there's so much hype about retail media. You know, when you read the very large numbers coming out of the US, you see the numbers around, you know, the scale of success that some of the large US retailers are having, you know, the wall 
the Walmarts of the world, you know, the numbers that come from that, the Targets, the Krogers, you know, there is very significant um, interest in that because it's such a, such a significant scale business. I think the big thing is for me has been like, you know, how do we, how do you turn that real excitement, that energy into something concrete? Uh, and the big thing is for me is a bit of what we were touching on earlier, which is around you have to create the retail media group that's right for you. I think one of the one of the things is to get sucked into this. There's an opportunity here, and the market has changed, which has allowed that opportunity. So everything we've just touched on, you know, the, the ability to now connect data, measurement, you know, and audiences with delivery. These are all things that are enablers to create re- this retail media opportunity. But my big thing is not to dive straight into it. You have to really think about what is it you want from your retail media group? How does it work with your retailer? How does it work with your brand partners? Because if you just jump in with the auspice of there's a massive opportunity here, I think you, the challenge is, is it is it is not easy to do always. It's not. It's a complex landscape. I think there's lots to be thought about. So my biggest thing is really about translating the hype into reality is to recognize it's a young industry still there's so much that's changing consistently there is tons of opportunity but equally also knowing who you are and what what you're creating and why uh, and for what purpose and for who these are all the things that are so important because if you don't do that what happens is you might create something with your space of generating revenue or generating an experience for your brand partners that isn't what it's supposed to be and there's that's where i that's where my concern is that we uh, as unfortunately being like long in the tooth in the kind of media industry we've seen like you know year of the mobile year of programmatic i'm really really hopeful that this will not be the kind of year of retail media um i feel like it's got a lot more energy and, and drive that will go beyond that and you touched on something that's so important uh, and we actually even talk about it when we're talking about um data clean rooms and info sum which is that importance of starting with why which yeah. is you know we talk about it from the perspective of you shouldn't be buying and and putting in place a data clean room just because it's hyped and you know it's a tick a box ticking exercise you should have a clear why and a clear purpose in mind because that's how you'll then see success as you kind of implement it and roll out multiple media solutions yeah i think you've got to you've it's got to be right for you for your business and for your brand partners to bring this bring this together if you are creating it uh because you feel it's what you should be doing because it's what's happening in the industry um, then it, I, I think that's where challenges will, will become. And that's what I've seen in my past with other parts of the industry, the media industry. And I think, um, you know, I think that's where we have to just be a little bit careful that we don't get sucked into the excitement of it um, versus the reality of what's possible. Yeah, for sure. And obviously we both talked about how hyped it was and, and you've touched on it just then. Do you feel that this year it's living up to the hype that it's it's had? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think what I've seen this year is, um, you know, um, you know, the the opportunities that have come to the market, what other retailers have been able to are creating, um, and the interest that it's generated in the and I think the positive uh, impact that it's had for the people who've engaged with retail media networks this year, definitely is living up to the hype. I think it's come, as I said, like, from when we began this journey two and a half years ago to now it's it's almost unrecognizable uh, as an industry. I think equally also it's what we've seen this year is a lot of industry bodies being created. We've there's been collaborative frameworks being created, so I think it feels very different to maybe how some of 
you know other parts of the industry have been previously so i definitely feel this year it's 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 living up to the hype i think there's um as with all things there's still so much more to do uh and there's so much more um out there um and i think 2024 will be a really key year um you know to to take it on to the next level but i feel incredibly positive in all the conversations we've been having um and i think just the way the, the industry is kind of shaping up and also how it's how it's going to get integrated into wider kind of media marketing planning i think that will be a really key part of whether or not it goes on to be you know continue to be successful yeah and i mean you touched on how far and how kind of unrecognizable retail media has has uh, come over the last two and a half years as you look to the next two and a half years five years so on and so forth what do you think the future of retail media will look like I think it's, uh, you know, I, I've, as I was referencing it a little bit earlier, is I, I think we'll know that we've been successful when it's not retail media anymore, when it's just media. That's when I feel we'll know that it, when it's a, an integrated part of a plan. Um, so when, you know, anyone is planning media as an advertiser uh, who has, you know, who works with a retailer and it can be directly integrated into that plan. So when you're thinking about what you're doing, you know, maybe in your above the line that goes into the mid, that then goes into the lower, but you're thinking about how retailer media data can help you across all of it. That's when I feel we would have known that we have taken a fundamental step forward. And I feel like we're getting there with some of the things that we want to do. Um, but I think that that's the, that's the journey that we're on. Um, I think there is a lot more coming from technology to enable that, to make that easier for, you know, uh, partners to plan, to activate and to measure that. Um, but yeah, for me, that's when I'll know we've, we've kind of made that, of breakthrough steps so when you look back at the industry over the last decade or so i think we can all agree that the way that we have powered data-driven advertising has been flawed um we've seen obviously a lot of change uh, a lot more privacy focus from the advertising industry in your opinion who's responsible for rebuilding that foundation of digital advertising for a better future and how can it be done so an easy question yeah uh, wow that's a that's a big one um so I, I would say, you know, it's a collective responsibility. It's It comes to all of us together. You know, I think um, as, you know, increasingly, obviously, you know, consumer data is being utilized uh, to help with all the things we've touched on earlier. There's a responsibility as, as data owners on what we will do with that and how we will manage it and how we will utilize it and the value we give back to customers by offering a more personalized experience. But I think collectively, we have to look at it and go, how do we ensure we continue that? How do we make sure that we continue um, to keep confidence in our industry to do the right things? So as we move more into a world that's data powered by consumer data, it's beholden on all of us to do that in a responsible manner. Um, and it's also how we build a responsible uh, kind of offerings to the market, which is a lot of the work that's been done this year about building a responsible framework through ISBAR. Uh, about you know how do we do that in the right way so that we build confidence not only with customers but equally also with the people who are utilizing that offer um, that I think is what the difference will be as is it will be with the with the partners we work with from a technology perspective and ensuring that we're managing and owning that data in the right way so um, I think it's all of those things and I think the other the, probably the last part is we have to be honest with ourselves about where we are and what we can and can't do uh, my biggest concern is sometimes if we claim to be able to do things we cannot do, then you create um, expectation that is undeliverable. 
Uh, and so I think that honesty about that element as well, where we are today versus where we want to be, um, is really important, particularly from things like what we're able to do with data today versus what we maybe want to be able to be able to do in the future. Um, but I think those things together comes collectively. We all have to look at it and go, how do we build the industry up uh, and make it successful um, versus saying uh, it's one person's responsibility or another. I think it's a collective thing. Uh, and it's really interesting when you look at you know, some of the frameworks that have been built this year, I've really seen collectively all parties come together to help that happen, um, which may not have been the case previously on other parts, you know, in my uh, my long career uh, in media, that's not always been the case, but it feels very different in this space. Yeah, and I'm one of those big drivers, obviously, that's um, moving this industry forward and moving us to the next era has been the slow, painful deprecation of third-party cookies. Yeah. Uh, what do you think it will take for the media industry to fully move away from third-party cookies and why hasn't it happened yet? Yeah, do you know, it's funny. I was... Um... So obviously there's the deprecation that's coming, you know, 2024 and Google have you know, said that they're drawing the line in the sand and that's the end of, the, of it. I think um, from our side, a lot of the work we've been doing has been in preparation for this for a number of years. So we've anticipated that obviously this will be happening. I think it's been, uh, it's been a way of working for such a long period of time that it's, you know, it's a bit like you're having to change a habit. Uh, we've, it's taken time for people to accept that, you know, that this is going to change and you have to work in a very, very different way to how you've worked previously. But actually, um, you know, once you accept that and you move past that and you do it in a very different way, uh, I think it was slightly different previously with some of the other changes that came through. You know, so so when things like GDPR were implemented, it was a very, very clear line in the sand as to when that was going to happen. And then it happened and people changed their behavior because it was necessary, it was required. I think what's happened a bit with their body quickies is it's been a very long, slow uh, change. And um, so it's meant that therefore that probably hasn't happened uh, kind of as quickly as we would all want it to. Um, but it is going to happen and it will, will inevitably make change. But I think that, you know, a lot of big advertisers, people we talk, I talk to, a lot of our uh, partners have already taken that mindset. Um, and equally also, I think a lot have looked at what's their first party, their second party strategy. And how does that work for the future? So um, I think those are the things, those conversations are now actively happening. Um, but while something's still available, there will be always an opportunity to use it uh, rather than... Get, so I think, you know, you have to kind of say, well, actually, that is not that is not a future-proof strategy. A future-proof strategy is looking at what I'm doing over here, you know, in the contextual space, in my first-party space, my second-party space. This is not a long-term strategy. And if I continue to only go down this route, at some point, I'm going to run out of road because it's just not, it's not going to be there for me. Um, so actually, we might as well, what we've done is look at how we were already prepared for it and beginning to do that now and have done over the last kind of two years so that when that happens, we're ready for, for it. So it will not, I think the concern is if you, if you don't change, your business is dependent on something that is going to disappear. And if you have considerable dependency on that, that's a real concern because otherwise, if that does disappear, how do you supplement that if you haven't done the preparation? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think everyone should be preparing today. Unfortunately, I don't think that is the case. I think there are a lot of um, organizations that aren't as kind of future-proofed and forward-thinking as Boots are. Um, but I'm just looking forward to the day where I don't have to talk about cookies on this podcast. <laughs>
and we don't have to see a photo of a cookie on every LinkedIn and it'll be everywhere. So hopefully one day that day will come. I think it will eventually come. And I feel confidence that we are reaching towards that finally. Yeah, it does feel like it. And obviously 2024 could be um, the year, obviously, that that finally happens uh, with, as you say, Google putting their line in the sand. But outside of that cookie deprecation, what are some of the things that excite you about the industry and where we're headed this year? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, when I think about the retail media industry, I think, you know, we've touched on that just now. I, you know, it's a young industry. It's growing. There's so much innovation. There's so many new partners that are coming in, in all spaces, um, in that space. I think that's going to bring incredible excitement to the next, you know, year ahead. Um, the other thing is you're now starting to see the results from some of the activities that have been run across the last few years and how that's worked and the effect on customers over a continued period of time from running that. And I think that's only going to build more confidence in the industry and what we're doing. And I think the other thing that really excites me and there's a lot I've talked about a lot is about moving behind the ROI. So I think at the moment, again, we touched on a very lot of passion for what retail media can drive in the ROI space. But actually, we've been doing quite a lot of work recently and we're going to do some publishing shortly on it about the effect that retail media is having on things like brand equity, on noticeability, on the combination of great retail uh, brands and, uh, sorry, great brands and the retailers together. And that, what effect that can have. And I think that's a whole world we haven't even touched on yet. Um, so those are the sort of things that really excite me. Um, and I think, you know, some of the stuff we've touched on, the ability to to start to really share what the effectiveness of, you know, that multi-touch point attribution that we can now do more effectively, that kind of dream street of right message, right moment. Um, that's a lot of stuff to get really excited about for next year. So, yeah, no, generally very excited about what it will bring um, for, for us. And I think there's a lot more to come uh, from the industry and a lot more growth that's, um, that's going to come from it in, the, in 2024 as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be an incredible year. Um, and before we get to our final question, is there anything you want to add? Any topics we haven't covered that you feel we should? No, I think we've we talked about quite a lot today. It's been great. Um, I think you know it's a it's, it's an exciting time next year for retail media, uh, for all of the industry. I think it's a really exciting time, um, and I think you know the the market in the UK is growing rapidly. I think there's so much uh, good good activity that I've seen happening. Um, that I think we can all learn from each other from and, and to, to grow the market holistically. So no, I'm excited for what next year will bring. Yeah, it should be amazing. Um, and obviously, you know, we have fantastic people like yourself driving this industry forward. And, you know, this podcast is all about those individuals, those people who are pioneering a new way to use data to drive better experiences. So when you look to people you admire in the industry and people within your network, who would you nominate for us to interview in an upcoming episode of Identity? Oh, who would I nominate for, for you to up to uh, to interview? Um, they, that's, a, that's a great question. I think about who I would uh, who I would nominate. Um, I think uh, some of I've, I mean, I've met some brilliant people over the last uh, few months uh, from doing it. I, do you know someone who I've met who I really think is doing an amazing job? Uh, is Matt Thomas at uh, PNG? Uh, he's doing a fantastic job there. So I would definitely nominate. Uh, Matt, 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 Matt won't thank me for this, but I would definitely nominate Matt for you to go and interview. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely reach out to him and hopefully get him on a future episode of Identity Architects. Amazing. Ollie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for so much incredible insight. Uh, and just throughout the year, as I say, I joked about it, but you have been kind of at every industry event that I've seen. Um, and you've been such an incredible uh, advocate for retail media and this kind of move to collaboration. So 
thank you for being on the podcast and I'm excited to see what we can achieve in 2024. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for having me, Ben. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks again to Ollie for joining us on Identity Architects. I loved chatting with him and picking his brains on retail media, the power of first party data, and of course, hearing his thoughts on where the industry's going in 2024. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know where the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.